Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Adorn Podcast. This is episode 110, and we're going to keep working through James. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. This week, for Glimpse of Grace, we thought we would talk about how we see God's grace through an answered prayer. So Aaron, do you have a way that God has answered a prayer this week? I mean, I could think of so many examples, but I'm going to try to just go with two. Um, the first one is uh, the Lord has answered prayer. Um, I've been trying to process through this a lot, but I think in the past I've made idols out of friendships. And so I think the Lord has just been over the last few years, just answering prayers of what Lord, what does it look like for me to honor you and my friendships and not make an idol out of them um, and not make them about just enjoyment, you know, for myself, but like really godly community. And so the Lord has been answering that prayer. Um, and you've kind of been walking through the same journey. And, yeah. um, and so I'm really thankful for that. But the big one um, answered prayers that this week, my girls got baptized. Praise and so that was a huge answer prayer and you might have the same answer Casey <laughs> but um just I, I we spent a lot of time over the last they asked to be baptized about a year ago and so just over the last couple of years like Lord make it really clear if this is like you know there's this tension right like are they too young but right. do you want to say no like yeah. what are you saying if you say no and so just like the Lord has been really faithful to answer our, our prayer and like make it clear to us Lord if, like if this is the right timing and if they understand and if they um you know, what baptism means and, and all of that. And so that's been a huge answered prayer. Yeah, it was such a fun day. My Lydia got baptized too. So for them to all get baptized together mm-hmm. and then we had some friends come and family and it was mm-hmm. it was such a sweet day and an answered prayer for sure. Um, one of the ways that I've seen answered prayers was um, through my like accountability group. Mm-hmm. This week, I was just struggling with some very specific things and had been praying through those specific things. And um, before I even really had a chance to share those things with the ladies in my group, I was um, sharing the situation surrounding those specific things. And they immediately touched on those places that Mm. were like that where I was really struggling without Mm. me even telling them um and it was just like God was just saying like Casey like I'm hearing your prayers Mm. and I'm I care about these things and here's your answer kind Mm. of deal um it was just some very specific things that Mm. I needed to hear in order for my heart to heal in some places Mm. and um It was just, it was pretty incredible because it was just very specific. And I just love when God does that. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen that over and over in the past year, year and a half, how he just like very specifically answers prayers. And I'm starting to learn, like if we are specific in the way we pray, Mm -hmm. that a lot of times like he will be very specific in the way he answers. And, um, I mean, it may not always be the answer we want to hear. It may not be right now. Like Mm -hmm. it may take time. Um, But just to see these very specific answers to prayers, um, it's just been really sweet and such a grace. Mm. And it's those moments that you can't question like, it's only God right, right. that did it. Like it, it's nothing else. It's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's only God. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, and I love how when he answers prayers, like through other people, kind of like you're talking about, like with friendships and mm-hmm. stuff, it's, it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. James chapter James. four, we are on the penultimate chapter. You like how I did that? Penultimate. Does that mean second to last? <laughs> I think so. I just wanted to sound a little smart for Big a second. Big words. Penultimate. Okay. Chapter four verses one through three. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Or you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Um, I think there's so much we could unpack in here, but let's kind of start by breaking it down a little bit. Like, what do you think this means like on a very practical level? Cause we might think, well, I've never murdered, so I don't deal with this, you know, <laughs> yeah, but what is yeah. it, what does it kind of look like for us? Like in the day to day, I think about those moments where, cause it talks about the, um, like the battle within you and these passions mm-hmm. within you. And I think about those moments where for me, it's, it's my words. Like we talked about a few weeks ago with the tongue and it's those moments where I really, really want to say something either to my husband or my mm-hmm. kids. And I know it, it's not a godly thing mm-hmm. to say. It's not something that's going to build them up. It's something that's, um, either going to tear them down yeah. or isn't very kind. And it's this internal battle, right? That's like, do I want to say it? I don't want to say it, but I want to say it. And you know how mm-hmm. Paul talks about, I do yeah. what I don't want to do, but I don't do what I want to yeah. do. Um, it's those moments. And so in the short term, like spouting off these things, sin feels really good, right? You're like, yes, I got revenge. I said mm-hmm. what I wanted to say, but then several minutes or hours or even days later, you're like, oh, like, that didn't do any good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not really what makes us happy. So when I think about these like battles in internally, that's kind of, it's those daily small moments, but ultimately like they're not really small, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what, um, each day we're supposed to be glorifying God and everything we do. And you actually posted something on Instagram about this yesterday about like in every moment of our life, like not compartmentalizing like mm-hmm. ministry and work and home, like every moment of our life is to glorify God. So even in those seemingly small moments where we're battling, like, should I say this to my kids or not? Like those are important too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And it comes back to the same idea that James has been talking about. Like it comes down to your heart, right? We've talked about like, if you were a cup and you were shaken, what's going to overflow. Right, right. And he, this is what he's saying. He's saying what's inside you, what, what's what's motivating you it comes back to the same thing that we talked about at the beginning of chapter three, when he mm-hmm. said, not many of you should be teachers because you have selfish ambition. Right. So it's stemming from that same thing. These, these passions that are in war within us, well, why are they at war within us? I mean, one, because of the fall, you know, because of the original sin that's mm-hmm. in our hearts, but also because we're, we're, misdirecting our time and our heart and our attention, Mm -hmm. right? If we are focused on self or things of the world in selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, these things are going to be at war and they're Mm -hmm. going to, they're going to come out in ways of sin, right? Like he talked about all the way back. He said, um, desire leads to sin, which gives birth to death and gives way to death. And so it's the same idea that he's continuing all the way throughout. But I think it's really good point. Like you're saying to reflect and say, 
one, why is this happening? Have I not been, you know, spending my time like focusing on God because you become what you behold, right? Uh So the more I'm rooting myself in who God is and in his word and in Christ-centered community, then hopefully we're able to combat those passions, recognize them immediately, repent of them and walk forward in the way that we are called to walk. But so one, why are they there? But then two, like, what do I do with them? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, like this sin is, is intention with, with our flesh and our spirit, our intention. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what do we, you know, we repent of those, but we have to be able to first know that it's coming Mm -hmm. and be able to recognize it. Um, and it's going to look different for each of us in our own individual lives, but just having this idea of, okay, this is happening. I can't just like pretend it's not there. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to own it and then, and then move forward. What else? What about? And like you were saying, I mean, it kind of, he kind of keeps circling back to this Mm -hmm. idea of like selfish ambition and envy. And we talked about it last week, but that's many times like the root of, um, this division and these quarrels and the root of our sin. And we see it again. What causes Mm -hmm. quarrels and fights among you? It's that your passions are at war within you. You desire Mm -hmm. and you do not have, you covet and you cannot obtain. So, once again, it's envy. And Aaron referred to this as well, but you think all the way back to the garden and that, that was the whole problem, right? You look at Cain and Abel and it was envy Mm -hmm. and jealousy. And so, um, one thing that I was listening to an RC Sproul sermon. And one thing he said was when we covet, we're really in conflict with God saying what he's given us isn't good enough because we're wanting something better. It's like, God, I don't like what you gave Mm. me or I don't have enough Mm. or it's not good enough. And so I need more. I need what they have. That's convicting. huh? It is. It's convicting. And I've heard that said before, but just that was just such a good reminder to me that the reason or one of the many reasons why like coveting and jealousy and being envious, why those things are so bad is Mm -hmm. that we're not fully trusting in God's provision and as in his sovereignty in our life. Um, when we do those things. Yeah, we've been, it's funny how God kind of will tie all things together at church. We're walking through the gospel of John. And so we recently, um, went through a passage that was kind of similar to verse, um, where, where it's talking about, you do not have, because you do not ask and in you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And, you know, we're a big fan of using scripture to interpret scripture. And so it's been interesting to watch these two kind of parallel. But one thing that, um, we were talking about at church that I think is really helpful is that this is not a, this is not a, um, a name it and claim it. He's not right, saying, right. just ask, you know, with these specific holy words, and then God will give you exactly what you want. Like, we know already, because we've studied the rest of James, that that's not at all what he's saying here. But he's saying, you're asking with selfish ambition. And so the Lord, like, he sees your heart in this. Right. And so I just we just want to make sure it doesn't come across like we're saying, just pray in this specific rubric, and you'll get exactly, exactly. what you want. Because yeah. that's, that's not at all. <laughs> no. But he is saying, no. like... We are to align our will with God. So what do you think, um, how would you encourage someone that's like, I want to ask rightly. I want to, you know, honor the Lord and align my will with his. Like what would be some good steps for them? So Jen Wilkin has a lot on this and she was actually on the Journey Women Women podcast like right at two years ago and she talked about God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. And then she also talks about it in her book, um, In His Image. Um, But she says, the better question is not what should we do, but Mm -hmm. who should we be? Mm -hmm. And it's all about sanctification and growing in holiness. Um, Our church has a saying, we say we're learning and living the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is really 
that's what God's will is for our lives. And um, so to do this, how do we like practically do this? We do what we talk about so often. We need to know who God is Mm -hmm. and we need to um, like the doctrine of God is so important. We said it last week, but we have a whole series on that. Um, None like him in his image. Now, none like him, like his incommunicable traits. Like if we try to be those things, that's idolatry. Mm -hmm. Like not going to try to be like omnipresent. Like that'd be really cool. But but (laughs) that'd be really cool. But but the attributes that we can be like patient and even holy. You Mm -hmm. think that we can't be holy, but that's what we're striving for is. Mm -hmm is holiness like Christ, um, compassionate, loving, merciful, those things, that's, that's what we should be striving for. And that's ultimately God's will for our life. So Mm -hmm. it's not so much about like our actions on a daily basis. It's more about like who we are to be. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, that's been James whole thing that we've been talking about the entire time is yeah. Yeah. Good. And that's what yesterday I actually re-listened to that Journey Women episode. And it's funny because Jen referred to James. She was like, just go read James and that'll show you what God's will is there for you your go. life. And there I'm like, okay, Jen, thanks. <laughs> Affirmation right there. Yes. Yes. So moving on, verse four says, you adulterous people, do not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So I feel like this is a really great example of if you were to take one verse out of context, how you could go crazy and yes. like total heretic. For sure. For because sure. you could so easily be like, okay, this is why we need to live on a compound. We never <laughs> let anyone in. We never talk to anyone. We never, you know, I like you could totally, this is why like context and biblical theology matters. Because you could go off the cuckoo end with this one. But um, I think when when we first read this, you hear like the passion in James voice, right? He's like, you adulterous people, do you not know? So he's, remember, he has a specific audience here that he's writing to and he's 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 showing corrective behavior but for us when we read this I want us to think of it as like how do we walk in this tension where he's saying do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God so so what do you think is is, that means for us in our day and age right now oh that's good I think, oh, I think it can look like so many different things. I think it can look like the time you spend on social media. Mm. I think it can look like um, your conversations with the people around you. Like, mm-hmm. are your conversations full of um, what's going on in the world politically and and even like with celebrities or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever? Or are you, are you bringing it back to talking about God mm. and, mm-hmm. and things of him? Um yeah, I, I see this so much um, today. I feel like people are so focused on the world and we're definitely losing sight mm-hmm. of, of God. Mm-hmm. And I, um, when you said that this is strong language, I mean, it is because you adulterous people like adultery is mm-hmm. like a very severe I mean, you'd thing. be killed for that. Yeah, this time. for sure. For sure. And I think when you're talking about his audience and you're talking about, you know, he's talking to believers and they would be familiar with the Old Testament where mm-hmm. God refers to um, Israel as mm-hmm. being adulterous, right? Like mm-hmm. they keep turning from God. And um, when they turn to idolatry, that's what God refers to it as. Mm-hmm. So it's like James is saying, Hey, like you've read the scriptures and you know what God said about mm-hmm. Israel. Like you're mm-hmm. doing the same mm-hmm. thing when you're a friend of the world. And so I think when we think of it that way as being like an adulterer, uh, adult, adulterer, <laughs> adulterer, <laughs> adulterer, 
like to me it makes it feel a lot more heavy Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think we we can go to extremes on this often. Like I said, we could build the compound mm-hmm. or we can go the other extreme where we're like, no, we're called to be in the world and you know, like not of yeah. the world and that yeah. idea. So, um, we are called to kind of hold those two things together, right? Like we right. are called to be on mission in the world. And, but I think, I think what we need to remember is that God created the world, right? And every time he created, he said, it is good. good. And yes, sin has marred that, but there is still God's goodness in the world. And so I think there's this kind of, you know, it's going to be different for each of us. Like we said, it's between you and God, what this looks like. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that we need to keep um, our treasure to be to be the creator Mm -hmm. and not the creation. I think that's where it kind of tips the scales. When we start to treasure the creation more than the creator, then we're being adulterous, Mm -hmm. right? Then we're um, choosing friendship with the world. Mm -hmm. When our first response, maybe on a really practical level, when our first response, like when we hear of tragedy, is your first response to go Google it or look to social media? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to be like Nehemiah and you hear tragedy and you spend time in prayer and fasting? Like what's your automatic response? And, and not that our automatic response is going to be perfect all the time, but when it's not, are you able to recognize that, repent of that and say, Lord, like, I'm sorry, I went first to the world. I think it's, it's almost maybe a, if you think about priorities, right? It's not saying you can't be in the world at all, but what, where's your first love? And that's, that's where I think the adulterous language comes in. Like, where's mm-hmm. your first, yeah. where's your first love? I've had to really remember this with the coronavirus mm-hmm. because I'm very, I'm a nurse. And so I'm very scientific brain. And I knew back when they said two weeks to flatten the curve or whatever, I was like, um, that's mm-hmm. a bunch of baloney. Like it's a virus. Baloney. This thing is not going away in two weeks. Um, but I've had to remember that it does doesn't matter what science is saying. I mean, be safe, all the things, whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, like it doesn't matter what science is saying. It doesn't matter what the charts are saying. All like God is at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like God is over it all. And so I've actually had to, I've changed my prayers. Like I've mm-hmm. been praying big prayers because we serve a big God. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to remember through all of this, like my friendship is not with those charts or what the Mm -hmm. news is saying or what the scientist is saying. Like I want to focus on God and he is all powerful. And I know that, and he is in control. And I, like you said, I want to be like Nehemiah. Like I want to drop to my knees Mm -hmm. and and pray for our friends in the cities that are they're having a really hard time right now. Like mm-hmm. that, I want that to be my first response. Not let me go fact check this. Right, right. You know, yeah. Um, and it's hard. It's so hard when we have all of this information right at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was listening to um, a Tony Evans sermon on this, and he said uh, a quote that I've heard multiple times, but I just think it's such a good reminder. It says, "He said the job of the church is not to bring the world into the church." but to bring the church into the world. And I think that small variation of difference really shows what James is trying to, to prove here. Absolutely. We're not trying to make the church presentable or, you know, pleasing to the world, but instead we're really trying to bring the church and God's good news yes. to the brokenness yes. of the world. I loved that quote when mm-hmm. I read it. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I think over the past like 20 years or so, um, 
the church has really kind of struggled with this in terms of being in our own little church bubbles Mm -hmm. and staying within our church walls. Mm -hmm. Like there have been seasons in my life where like every single day, all I'm doing is within our local church, which a local church, we have a huge heart for the local church, but we need to be out in Mm -hmm. our communities, bringing the church to them and bringing Jesus to them. And so I loved this. I liked this quote from Augustine. It said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to what Aaron was saying about worshiping the creator, not the creation. Like he made us for himself. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, when we talk about how God's jealous for for Mm -hmm. us. Okay, speaking of God's jealousy, let's read verse five. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. So this fact of God being jealous, I remember like, I still get confused by this. And my kids, there's, you know, some worship songs that say God is jealous. And I remember Harper coming up to me one day and just being like, I thought being jealous was bad, mom. How, how can God be jealous? So let's talk about what that means. You want to share with us what you studied and we can look at some other verses. Yeah. So the gospel coalition has these new, I didn't even know they were new. Aaron just informed me that they're new. (laughs) They're, um, these essays that have different, um, doctrines that you can look up. And this one is by Kirk Wellam and it's on the jealousy of God. And we'll be sure to post a link to it because there's also at the bottom of this essay, there's some really great resources that are linked as well. Um, but I wanted to read this one part of it that helps explain because when we think of jealousy we automatically think um, of it negatively because mm-hmm. like we've been talking about this like selfish ambition ambition and envy and um, covetry and things like that but mm-hmm. when we're talking about it in relation to God it's different so this says what does the Bible mean when it says that God is a jealous God Whatever it means, it cannot refer to or imply anything sinful in God. He is a holy God and is never sinfully jealous. He is never jealous because he is needy, greedy, or covetous, or because he is lazy and unwilling to put forth the effort necessary to accomplish his purposes. God is not jealous because he takes a petty dislike to certain individuals and begrudges their achievements or because he is frustrated with his position in the universe. Such suggestions are absurd. Wayne Grudem defines God's jealousy as God continually seeking to protect his own honor. And then um, J.I. Packer says it is his holiness reacting to evil in a way that is morally right and precious. It is a praiseworthy zeal on his part to preserve something supremely precious. I love that he uses the Mm, word precious precious. so much. (laughs) I don't feel like that's a word that people use Mm. a lot of times in reference to God. And I just really like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think it's really helpful for us to understand we're doing some, this is a big word here, but we're doing something that's called anthropomorphism, I knew I was going to say it wrong. Anthropomorphism, right? Thank you. <laughs> yes, where we're putting our understanding because of what we've experienced as humans and we're attributing that to God. Um, we do this often with other attributes as well, but it's good for us to recognize that this is not an accurate way for us to understand God's jealousy. Um, we can't take what we've experienced as humans and say, okay, that must be true about God. And one thing that we, that kind of shifts and shapes why we see this as a negative thing is often jealousy, like you're saying, stems from selfish ambition. But when we're talking about God's jealousy, it's rooted in God's 
God-centeredness, right? which is a whole nother thing. Um, John Piper has written quite a bit on this um, and it's helpful, but it's really helpful to understand this concept because when we think of self-centeredness as humans, that's where usually jealousy stems mm-hmm. from. Um, I'm not being treated the way I deserve. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not being cared for the way I deserve, you know, it's very self-centered. And for us, we are sinful. So our self-centeredness is tainted with sin because it's self-seeking. When we take that and we think about God being self-centered, God being God-centered, that is actually a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I have spent so much time trying to understand this because it, the first time you think about it, just like when you think about God is jealous, it rubs us the wrong way. But ultimately what Piper, when he talks about this, and I'm not quoting him directly or anything here, cause I don't have any of this in front of me, but what he talks about and helping us to understand the God centeredness of God, he's saying that everything about God is good and pure and holy. So when he is jealous for our affection, really he's jealous for us to be filled with the goodness of right. who God right. is. So when God is jealous for his name, which we'll see in scripture, or he is jealous for his glory or he is jealous for his holiness. Holiness, oftentimes we, we, our first response is, well, that's very self selfish mm-hmm. or very, you know, sinful, but in actuality, what, when God is given his due glory and worship, we're living in our true purpose. And therefore we are satisfied mm-hmm. and we are content and we are full with joy. So God's jealousy is actually to our benefit. God's self-centeredness is actually to our benefit. It's for our good and for his glory. It's not for his glory at the cost of our good. Right. That's, that's great. I feel like Piper obviously says it better and more concise, but yeah, no, I think you (laughs) broke it down really, really well. Um, I think that comes down to what we've talked about a lot. Like when our heart aligns with God's and when we Mm -hmm. look at these like boundaries that he set for us in these, um, everything we see throughout James, this way that we're supposed to live this holy life for God. A lot of times we can think, wow, like that really limits us or that's, that's really hard. Like why would God, is God punishing us by, Mm -hmm. you know, making these certain things? This isn't fun. You know, like we talked about earlier, a lot of times, um, living in the flesh and being sinful can seem fun at first, but ultimately it Mm -hmm. is for our good. And Mm -hmm. if we keep that in mind, it changes our perspective and it, it wants us, um, to stay within what God has lined out for us, his design for us. It Mm -hmm. really is for our good and his glory. So he's not trying to like punish us or set up this like restricted, Mm -hmm. um, boring life. When we are living the life God has for us, like it's full of joy, Mm -hmm. like true, genuine joy, not the joy that comes from, or not the, the fleshly happiness Mm -hmm. that comes from the moment of sinning, but true long lasting joy. I feel like we've been having a lot of conversations with with our kids about about that like oh yeah why do we not do that those people do that <sighs> yes I'm oh like, it's so hard god has a good design mm-hmm. god has a good design I feel like i've said that phrase like mm-hmm. so many times yeah but i love right here because we see this shift right we feel like in verse four james is yelling at us right like you adulterous people like there's even an exclamation point but then at the end in where um of this last passage in verse six he says but he gives more yes grace. So there's this shift. There's this, there's James is saying, here is what you are called to do. Here is what you are called not to do. Here is where you are to walk in the ways of God and to put away the sinful flesh. And, but God gives more grace because mm-hmm. we're not going to do it perfectly. Right. And uh, Jesus is the only one who has, um, lived a perfect life. And so God continues to give more grace. So where do we see this in scripture? 
other places than right here. Yeah, I yeah, because this is scripture. So. <laughs> this is scripture. Other places. <laughs> so when talking about God's jealousy, like we say time and time again, use scripture to interpret scripture. So if we're still sitting in this place, we're like, okay, I hear what you're saying about the God-centeredness, and I I see why I think of jealousy as a negative way because I see people around me. But I want to kind of study this a little bit more. Another place you can look is to go back all the way to the Old Testament um, in Exodus, and this is kind of breaking down and talking about the Ten Commandments, and we're gonna look in chapter twenty of Exodus. And I'm going to start in, um, you know what? I'm gonna start in verse one and it says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord, your God, and I am a jealous God. And so we hear this concept, right? He's going through the, the 10 commandments and he's saying that I am a jealous God. And what he's saying here is he's explaining why they are not to put other gods before him or to make other gods. And he's saying the reason you're not supposed to do this is because I am a jealous God. And the only reason we can kind of sit with that and not be offended by that is because of what we just mm -hmm. talked about yeah. is because God is saying, if you are too long after these other gods or to put other gods before me, you are never going to be satisfied because I am the only true God. And so if you're looking to these other things and making them your other gods, that's ultimately going to be bad for you. Yeah. And so when he's saying, I am jealous for you, I am jealous for your affection. Yes, it is for your good mm -hmm. that he is jealous for your affection. Mm -hmm. But yep. we don't always see that when we just read through these things. We think, right. well, how could God be jealous? But hopefully now we kind of have a little a little more grasp on, on where that is. Moving on to verse, the last part of verse 6 through 10, it says, Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he he will exalt you. It's a lot of uh, command language yes. here, right? Yes. Do like, this. Yeah. Do this. Do this. Yeah. And yeah. Turn away. Do this. Flee. Mm -hmm. Do boom, boom, boom. So I think one thing we can take away from this is this theme that we've been seeing throughout James of, you know, he's not just savior. He's Lord yes. of our lives. Mm -hmm. And you can't just say, okay, Jesus is my savior. And now I'm going to live however I want. James right. is coming back to that, that same thing theme he's been talking about, like, he is Lord. And so I feel like he gives some very practical ways that looks that that plays out in our lives. He's, you know, he talks about being humble. He talks about submitting yourself to God. He talks about resisting the devil, drawing near to God, cleansing your hands, purifying your hearts, um, mourn and weep and, and all these different things where he's giving us some very clear explicatives. I don't know if that's yeah, the right word. I think that's a word. Okay. Yeah, I think it's important to look at very first where he said God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. And I think just to remember um, pride and humility. I mean, we talked last week about about um, being humble, but I think just keeping in mind that like you don't want to be opposed by God, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what in the sermon I was listening to by R.C. Sproul, he talked about that. He was like, why would you choose to live in a way mm -hmm. that God's going to oppose? And so um, he wants us to be humble and he gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. And I think just keeping that in mind um, 
every single day because I mean, I know pride is something that I struggle with. And I think that when we look at these things that we've been talking about the last few weeks, the selfish ambition and, um, and jealousy, I think that the underlying thing that, um, you see a lot of times is that pride you want what you can't have. You want to be better. You think Mm -hmm. you're better, all Mm -hmm. of these things. So I think just keeping in mind, I think that's kind of the overall theme of this section too, is just, is just humility. Mm -hmm. And we see that in Jesus's life. And we talked about that last week. We can look at him for this example. Um, but then that's immediately followed with the word submit, Mm -hmm. which I know that that's kind of bad word. People don't (laughs) like the word submit, but I like how it talks about it in my Bible. It says, um, in my notes, this requires a willing act of accepting the authority of God, for we are under his authority, whether we bow willingly to him or not. Here, submit means to obey. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, just a reminder that, like, whether we decide to actively submit or not, like, we're under God's authority. Um, mm-hmm. Just like our kids. I mean, they can choose to obey and they can choose to submit or they cannot. But either way, huh. like we're their parent, right? Yeah. yeah. I think when it comes to that part about talking about let your laughter be turned to mourning, like my automatic response is like, wait a second. I thought we were turning our morning into dancing. Yeah. Like what's happening here? I don't, I'm not a big fan You're of like, crying. I, I like yeah. to laugh. Um, but the, this is again, where context is so key. These, these terms that he's talking about here is he's talking about like you need to, um, have sorrow over your sin. Um, James was, was addressing the fact that they were just treating their sin so casually, you know, like keeping it as like a pet Mm -hmm. in their pocket and saying, no, like you need to flee from this, flee from the devil. He's saying, you know, turn to God, draw near to God. And part of that is repenting Mm -hmm. and having true sorrow over your sin, not just being like, Oh, haha, that was so funny. And I feel like, I mean, this could be a super side tangent here, but I feel like this is something in mom culture right now just be like, Oh, I got angry with my kids. Oh, it's okay. No Mm -hmm. deal. Like we just laugh it off for the sake of vulnerability or Mm -hmm. relatability. And I mean, there obviously is a time to be who you are and to confess your sin to one another, but to repent of that, not to make light of it. And, and this is a little soapbox of mine. So I'm trying to rein it in here because I don't feel like I'm expressing myself. Well, there obviously is a time to share and, you know, say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I messed up. But when we so casually say like, Oh, you yelled at your kids 500 times today. Oh, it's okay. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we're missing a really good gospel opportunity Mm -hmm. to say, you know what? You're not a perfect mom because Jesus is. And Mm -hmm. with any chance we get to turn people's eyes to Jesus, like we should take advantage of that and not laugh it off as just the sake of, Oh, it's funny. Oh, for sure. That's, it's kind of a soapbox of mine too, honestly. Um, because as sisters in Christ, we're supposed to be constantly pointing each other to Jesus Mm -hmm. and true repentance does not mean laughter, right? Mm -hmm. Like you would not be laughing if Mm -hmm. you really were repenting, you would not be dancing. You would not, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you are truly repentant about these things, then you would mourn and weep and I'm sorry, Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I'm totally with you on that. I think that 
I think it's important. Like we don't need to condemn each other for right. that, but I think right. we do need to to point each other to Jesus. In and those then that's moments. where the laughter and the dancing can come exactly. in. Is like, yes, I've repented, I've turned away, and I can now yes. rejoice in the fact mm-hmm. that I have been given forgiveness. But it was bought by the blood mm-hmm. of Jesus, and live in that freedom, and right. that is where our true joy is found for sure. Right. But but the Bible does call us to turn away from our sins, mm-hmm. not to press into it and be proud of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that comes right back to the pride um, that he's talking about. And so to be truly humble about these things and to say, you know what? I messed up and it's not good. And I'm going to repent of that and yeah. then live in that freedom. Um, I think that one of the things that it says here is to resist the devil. And I think that that's something that is easy to um just kind of read over and be like, okay, resist the devil. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it helps if we think of like a practical way to do that. So it's like, okay, how do we resist the devil? Like, how do we practically do that? Do that? Do we just say Satan be gone? I mean, Mm -hmm. we can, but I think, you know, it's really cool because, um, through Paul, God gave us like this practical way that can, Mm -hmm. we can resist the devil. And you find it in Ephesians six and it's Mm -hmm. the armor of God. And so if you want to take some time to read through that this week and just think about like, if I do these things, if I put on this full armor of God, then I, I, this is my battle plan. Mm -hmm. Like this is how I go to war with the devil. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been trying to focus on these practical steps in the last few months because it's like, I have felt a lot of spiritual warfare and we Mm -hmm. actually, we have a whole podcast on Ephesians six, Mm -hmm. so you can go back and listen to it. But, um, I have felt a lot of spiritual warfare and I'm like, you know what? God gave me these tools to practically fight Satan. And so, um, I just encourage you to go look at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think that's really good practical takeaway from this. Um, and then lastly, I thought that this would be a good time of reflection to like think about an area of pride in your life and how can you, flip that Mm -hmm. to change it to one of humility. And I think Mm -hmm. Aaron just gave us a great example. Um, maybe in those moments in your parenting where you can be like, Oh, you know, like, yeah, sure. I messed up, but I'm still, you know, I'm still a wonderful mom and all this stuff. Like, yes, sure. You're a wonderful mom. But instead of bragging about those things, instead of, um, not being repentant of those things, maybe you can turn it into Mm -hmm. a time of humility and saying, Lord, like I need you, Jesus, you're the only way that I can Mm -hmm. do this. Um, I mean, there's a million different things. So maybe just spend some time in prayer asking God to, to reveal those areas of pride in your life. Yeah. If you're wanting a book, um, on this, it's a very small book. I think it's like 70 pages or something. It's called humility, um, by Andrew Murray. And it is one of the most transformative books. It's tiny, but I need to go back and read it again because it's been like a year since I read it. But it is so good at really understanding. So I feel like humility in being humble is one of those words we toss around a lot. Yes. But he yeah. is so rooted in looking at Jesus and like how we live that out. And it's really, really good. So mm-hmm. Humility by Andrew Murray. Yeah. So next week we are going to cover... Um, the last part of chapter four, chapter four, verse 11 through chapter five, verse six And your memory verse is 414. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Yeah,